How many were able to be with us yesterday for the MLK service? Uh, Reverend Dr. Clarence Brown was our speaker, and he spoke from the second letter to the Corinthians, or at least what we call the second letter to the Corinthians, and he called it the Corinthians Correspondence. And he said, say it with me. So I'm going to do that now as we begin to read from the first Corinthians, Corinthians Correspondence, as he said yesterday. Corinthians Correspondence. I don't, he didn't roll the R on the correspondence part. I think he just did it anyway. But it was a good time. And, and this is not an MLK sermon because I knew Clarence was going to have it nailed down yesterday. So um, anyway, but it was a wonderful opportunity to gather and to consider the barriers to justice and barriers to the beloved community uh, as Clarence, uh, Dr. Brown shared them with us yesterday. Today we do read from Corinthians, from the first letter. And I say from, uh, I said something about the second letter. There, there were at least three letters to the Corinthians because the second letter references another letter that we don't have. So anyway, there's all of that in the scholarly stuff and the Bible nerd stuff that rolls around in the back of my brain. I'm just sharing that with you as stuff I know. And before I jump into the sermon, and that completely sidetracks anything that I was trying to say <laughs> in the body of the sermon. So this is uh, the first letter that we call the first letter, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of, nope, you're getting there. I jumped ahead. I didn't wait. I was just going. I sidetracked him. There we go. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sophonies. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind. Just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also, he, he will also strengthen you. It's all right, that was me. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. How many of you love having somebody read over your shoulder? That's what we get when we get when we read the letters. We're reading letters to communities, for the most part written to a specific group of people in mind. And we're reading over their shoulder what Paul wrote to them. Imagine some, you're, you got a personal letter from somebody. And you're reading it, and all of a sudden you feel his presence over top, and you're like, you know, this is, or even worse, you're reading your report card and you didn't do quite as well as you had hoped to do and somebody's looking over and you're like, read your own report card. The thing with Paul's epistles is, or letters, 
they are often report cards of the churches. When you get a letter from Paul as a church, maybe except for the, the letter to the Philippians, they're report cards, and there's commentary, and there's instruction, and this is how you can do better. And Corinthians is no exception, and, and when you get more than one letter, you got stuff to work on. And we know there's at least three letters to the church of Corinth. And who knows, there's possibly more. And there could be other, multiple letters to other churches. But the ones that the churches, church with a capital C has held on to are those that are instructive in guiding our ministry and our life together as followers of Jesus Christ. So what was it about this area of Corinth, this area known as Corinth? Corinth is a very interesting um, location. It's in the Mediterranean. It's a part of the, the Greece area, and it's on an isthmus. It's hard to say. I-S-T-H-M-U-S. Isthmus. It's a, it's a land bridge to a larger mass. It would have, the larger mass would have been an island except for that little ridge. Corinth was both a port city because it was quicker to offload and cheaper to offload at Corinth on one side of, the, of that track of land, and then to reload on the other side to take it to the rest of that, to the end of the Mediterranean, than it is to go all the way around that larger landmass that connects them. Also, because of that little track of land, they had this back and forth trade route on land. They were a trade hub. They were a place where there's a lot of exchange of goods, of information, part of what was uh, so what it has been so unique about Israel as the place where the good news of God has come from is because it was such a a uh, populous place, not uh, by population all the time, but so many people traveled through it back and forth, and they also carried information as well. They carried goods between uh, Africa and Asia, and even. Uh, Eastern Europe, or the lower part of, East, of, the, of the Mediterranean. But Corinth was the, was the European side of that. They were the, the Greek, the Greece side of that. They were the Roman Empire part of that. So when Paul was able to, my, what in the world? Sound like I must have said Siri or something. My phone, my watch talked to me. When the gospel got to Corinth, it became this uh, well, it landed in Corinth and was able to spread further and faster than it had been up to that point. That's the blessings of Corinth. The challenges of Corinth come with all those things as well. Port cities have had reputations and not good ones for millennia. And there's access to all kinds of things, good and bad. And all of those things affect the people in the communities and the community and the church of Corinth. And Paul's going to address some of those in later letters. But that's who these people are. And they come from many stations in life. Um, they seem to be from all over the place um, in their background. But they find commonality in the person of Jesus Christ. So Paul starts this letter greeting them, the church of God, 
that is in Corinth. Grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, to a certain extent, it, oh, thank you. Look, there's a map. I'll lift up my head and look at the right thing. Yep, that's it. It sounds like he's buttering them up. And maybe he is. Because in later chapters, he's going to get deliver some hard truth. But he's also claiming and proclaiming for them the reality of who they are in and through Jesus Christ. You are the called out people. That's what the church is. It's a Greek word ecclesia. The called out people of God in Corinth. It begins with the greeting, and then the part that we go through just goes through the thanksgiving, and Paul is leaning into the, the intent of the rest of the book, or the rest of the letter, in these few sentences of thanksgiving. But from a broader perspective, rather than delving into the particulars of the letter, letter he's reminding them of their purpose as a people of God through Jesus Christ, and of their blessings that they have at their disposal. Before he goes on to the larger task of recentering their work and their identity in the person of Jesus Christ. Throughout these few verses and throughout the uh, entire letter, a lot of the words we use in church life show up. We get from, there's a couple of Greek words that you may not necessarily know. One of them, I just lifted up, Ecclesia, the church, it's called out ones. We are the called out ones. It was a common Greek phrase. Uh, if you had a... Um, you know, like in school, we used to have assemblies. I don't know if we call them assemblies anymore. We have assemblies, so we do call them. The people assembled. It wasn't like the Avengers assemble. It wasn't like a big, you know, a unique thing. It was the assembly was called out. And Paul projected that language onto the church. But he wasn't calling them to a town hall meeting or a community center. He was calling them out of, of society into a people, into a community rather, uh, claiming identity through the person of Jesus Christ. So ecclesia shows up in these first few verses. The word koinonia, have, have you heard that word, koinonia? It was, it's translated in this version in partnership. It's community together with Jesus Christ. Something akin to what uh, Martin Luther King Jr. would have called the beloved community. We also hear the words holy ones, which, uh, some, or saints. We hear the word call. We hear the word grace. And all of these speak to who we are and who the church is called to be. And as Paul speaks to Corinth, he's also speaking to us. And in these opening verses, there are two things that, that, that um, I think jump out at us that we can really take a look at, consider for them, that also consider for us. And the first is that the sounds of salvation seems like a call. There's so much language of call in, the, in these few verses. The call from God. That's a, a sound of salvation. is a call from God. God is calling us out of, this is the name of, of the gathering, even though it's not unique to, to Christendom now, but to be the called out ones. God has called us out. He has called us together. Paul claims his identity as, as one who is called by God to be an apostle of Christ. We get in verse 2, God calls the church 
to holiness, a call to be saints. And then the last verse, God's calling to the church into partnership or koinonia with Christ. Wrapped up in who we are as far as of Jesus Christ, we, we, we might center on that word salvation, but with that gift, with that blessing, comes a responsibility. See, every time I hear somebody say, talk about being blessed, I'm like, oh, but you're going to be responsible for that blessing. As you read Scripture, every time somebody receives a blessing in Scripture, there's a task to go along with it. There's a responsibility to go with it. As Mary was blessed with carrying the Savior of the world, there was a responsibility that went along with it. Every time we claim our blessing, there is a responsibility to go along with it. The blessing of salvation also includes a blessing of responsibility of living into a call. God is calling all of us. He calls us in large ways and individual ways, collectively and individually. In these few verses, one of the things that Paul points out God is calling us to is holiness. Called by God to be saints. Saints, sanctified holiness, they're all in the same thread of, 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 of meaning. Set apart. It's similar in sound to being uh, called out. But called out of and set apart. It's not just called out and be separated, but set apart to be differentiated, to be different than the rest of the world around us. God is the holy of holies. He is completely and utterly different, set apart from all of us. But even within humanity we are called to be set apart from the world to world to live lives that are distinctive as we follow the will and the way of God as made known to us through the person of Jesus Christ and the prophets who follow him calls us to live as saints that's a hard word if you have a lot of catholic influence in your life, you might think, well, that's just for a handful of people. And we only know them after they've died most of the time. But Paul uses that word for ordinary, everyday Christians. We are saints as well as sinners. But Paul is challenging us, even in the midst of our sinful state, to live as if we are fully and completely sanctified saints. To live, to lean into our holiness, the set-apartness that God has called us to be a part of, to live into. One of the unique things that you may not, most people don't read when they're just reading through this passage, and it's a Bible nerd kind of a thing, that when when, uh, Jews would hear this at that time, they heard Gentiles being called to be saints, to be holy ones, to be set-apart people. Just a few decades before that, the only people that were set apart by the God of Israel was Israel. That was it. Gentiles were not people of God. That was, we've, we've started to attribute that word almost to, to Christians. We almost make it the same word, but it's, it's not. It's those outside of the people of Israel. 
The shock, there's a shock value in Paul saying, Gentiles, you too, those of you who may not have considered yourself to be a part of the people of God, you are a part of the people of God. As you say yes to the life of Jesus. And just as Paul is calling people into holiness, he's calling them into that partnership, that community, that fellowship, or koinonia, if we want to be fancy. It's that perfect relationship with God. Because, with God through Jesus Christ, because we cannot live into this completely and fully on our own. We cannot. It's part of the gift of the church. It's also part of the gift of the connectedness, not only to each other, but to God through the Holy Spirit and under the influence of the Son, Jesus Christ. So he calls them to, to live this way. Now there's other stuff in, in, that he gets to in the letter, but he calls them to this larger idea of holiness and community. And then he reminds them that they are equipped to do so. They are called and they are equipped. You have enough to do what God is calling you to do. You have enough to be the community that God is calling you to be. In verse 4, he said that they have been given the grace of God. We say that word so often in the church, I don't know if we always stop to consider the power of that word. The, the word grace is derived from a king's gift, freely given. Every time we talk about grace, we receive crown jewels of God's love, given freely to us. He reminds them that they have that grace of God. He reminds them in verse 5 that they've been enriched in Christ. In verse 6, that the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among them. God has given them what they need, and he continues saying in verse 7, they lack no spiritual gifts. You have everything you need to fulfill God's call for you. At least to take the next step. The church has enough right now to what God is calling us to do in our next steps. That wasn't just true in Corinth. It's true in Fairfax. It's true in anywhere among the people who follow Jesus. And that's part of the trick in reading someone else's mail, looking over their shoulder and seeing the words that were written to somebody else is the church of Corinth. We have to kind of put ourselves into context with them and, and appreciate where they were and who they were and what was going on in their world. But there are some things that, that still connect. There are many things that still connect despite the differences in time, distance, and culture. This church, like the church in Corinth, has been called by God. If you are a church, you are called by God. This church has been called by God. To live in holiness and to live in community. We, like the Corinthians, have been extravagantly equipped for faithful living. We have enough to do what God is calling us to do, at least do next. We have enough. We, like the Corinthians, live in the midst of a culture that makes faithfulness tricky. We, like the Corinthians, are meant to be committed to the truth and life-shaping power of the good news of Jesus Christ. And we, like the Corinthians, if you keep reading the letter, routinely fall short of those expectations. 
Today's passage is a hopeful one. Paul leans into this letter with hope and encouragement of purpose and provision. God is going to, God has a purpose, a call upon our life. He provides, he equips us for what we need. Paul assumes, assumes that it is possible to live a holy life in the middle of a challenging culture and world. When it seems like the ways of the world, the systems of this world, the temptations, the distractions, the injustices of the world are too much or too big to overcome, we can look to Paul for encouragement and the reminder that, yes, we can overcome, not on our own, but in partnership with all the other called-out ones, with all the other set-apart ones who are in partnership with Jesus Christ. And as we do so, we can overcome and live joyfully and faithfully together for the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, like Corinth, we are yours. We are your people, your called out ones. But the further call to be set apart, to live for you in community together. We're aware of the challenges before us. But Lord, we know that with you all things are possible especially when they are done for your kingdom good. Guide us in life, individually and collectively, on our own and as a congregation, to live faithfully for, for you. Hearing your call, following it, acknowledging that we have enough, that you have provided to do what's next. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.